Hello, my name is Mukuka Chipanta, and I'm a Zambian author and aerospace engineer. Welcome to the second season of my podcast, Kutika, Modern African Stories. Each time, I introduce you to a short story written by me and performed by different narrators. I'd like to thank all of my listeners for the overwhelming support received in our first series. If you have not yet listened to it, please take some time to do so and remember to post a review. It really helps with our sponsors. In series two, I have a special treat for you with a story of love, longing, and kindness, which I hope will resonate with you on a deeply personal level. The story is entitled One Stranger to Another and features two wonderful performers, Miss Muzala Shimukowa and my very own sister, Saka Chipanta Sega. One Stranger to Another, Part 2, by Mukuka Chipanta. In the last episode, a distraught Mama Betty Chushi searching for her missing son left her village to seek help from her son's estranged father, Barnabas. With Barnabas unwilling to help her, Betty decided to take matters into her own hands and make the long journey to the city in search of her boy. Several long coaches were packed at an angle behind a bank of street vendors, selling everything from dried fish and vegetables to cigarettes and plastic bags. Mama Betty was still smarting from her encounter with Barnabas. His antipathy towards affairs concerning his own son was reprehensible. Why had she even bothered going to him for help? In the 13 years of Pascal's life, Barnabas had done nothing for his son. Despite being summoned to attend several meetings chaired by elders of their respective families, he had refused to accept his responsibilities as a father. She stood at a distance and panned the area in front of her for a coach headed for Kitwe. There were no signs indicating the destinations of any of the buses. A restless swarm of bodies milled around as cowboys yelled at the tops of their voices in competition for passengers. Betty was wary of crowds. She had heard stories of pickpockets who ran amok in places like this. She took a deep breath and pressed her bag tightly under her arm before stepping forward. As she slowly made her way past a bank of vendors, she was suddenly accosted by a teenage boy with crusty eyes and unkempt hair. Mulea kuisama antizi, he asked in a husky voice. Betty tightened the grip on her bag. Kitwe, she replied. Tie ni kuno anti. He grabbed her forearm and before she could wrestle out of his clutches, he was pushing his way through the crowd, dragging her in tow. They soon arrived in front of a navy blue coach 
with the number of passengers sitting inside it. The undercarriage of the bus was splayed open, revealing a raft of bags inside it. He held out his hand for her to pay him. Aghast, Betty wrestled her arm from him. He snatched at her wrist again, but this time she evaded him. He glared at her, eyes the color of clay. I'm Betty's heartbeat quickened inside her chest, but before she could respond, a tall man in a neatly pressed shirt suddenly emerged from the door of the bus. What is it, eh? Iwe, what's happening here? He moved closer and was soon towering over the young tyke. Why are you harassing innocent passengers, eh? The boy snarled at the man. I said, why are you harassing innocent passengers? The man seemed undeterred by the boy's bravado. Betty took a step back, grateful for the stranger's intervention. The man and boy locked eyes in a test of wills. The boy flinched. He yelled, sucking his teeth. He stepped back and flicked his hand into the air, hurling obscenities before disappearing into the crowd. The man turned to face Mama Betty. He was clean-shaven and appeared to be in his late twenties. Are you all right? His voice was gentle. Betty nodded. Yes. Yes, um, yes, I'm fine. Thank you. She was grateful for his timely intervention. I'm sorry about what just happened. I hope you didn't part with any money. Betty shook her head. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I saw him pulling you through the crowd and I could tell he was bothering you. I was sitting inside. He pointed to the coach. These young boys can be terrible. You really have to be careful. They prey on innocent people. They try to get money out of travelers for doing nothing. He shook his head. Betty stumbled forward as two women carrying bulky sacks on top of their heads pushed their way through the crowd towards the bus. The neatly dressed stranger held Betty's forearm as she gathered herself. Where are you headed? He asked. Copper Belt. I'm trying to get on a bus to Kitwe. He smiled. Well, you're in the right place. This bus is headed to Kitwe. I'm traveling there myself. He extended his hand. My name is Abel Chanda. I'm a primary school teacher in Kitwe. They shook hands. Betty felt obligated to ask what had brought him to Kasama. A pained look flitted across Abel's face. I came to bury my mother. She passed away in the village three weeks ago. Mualo Shen, I'm very sorry to hear that. 
Abel accepted her condolences. We should get on the bus to make sure we get comfortable seats. They found two seats next to each other, a few rows behind the driver. Betty sat near the window. It will be a while before this bus leaves, Abel said, looking at the empty chairs behind him. They always wait until every seat is filled before starting off. Betty nestled her hand-woven bag in her lap. The seats were narrow with little legroom. It would be an uncomfortable journey, she imagined. But right now, that was the list of her concerns. All she could think about was her son. What had happened to him? Where was he? She prayed for God to keep him from harm. She had to find her boy before it was too late. Betty peered through the window. She noticed two schoolboys in uniform amongst the crowd outside. Her thoughts began to drift wistfully back to the day when her son, Pasco, received his grade 7 examination results. She had never been so proud of him as she had been on that day. Are you a Zambian living abroad and looking to invest in real estate back home? Are you thinking of owning a home in the motherland but tired of hearing the horror stories of shoddy building projects and the lack of proper accounting for the money you send to friends and family? Well, finally there is a solution. Afrispore Developments. Afrispore Developments is a registered infrastructure development company focused on providing a world-class design and construction service that you can trust. With offices in Lusaka and Melbourne, Australia, Afrispore has over 15 years of architectural design and construction experience in a variety of sectors including residential, office, retail, healthcare, and interior design. Afrispore's professional project managers ensure flawless execution of building projects on the ground while providing full transparency in financial accounting. For more information, visit www.afrispor.com spelled A-F-R-I-S-P-O-R-E Afrispor Developments Creating infrastructure that is proudly and uniquely African. Betty and Juliet gathered their merchandise from underneath the wooden stalls which stood along the main road. Mushrooms, tomatoes, onions and dried fish, all the items they had not managed to sell during the course of the day. They packed everything into nylon sacks to take back to their village. By all counts, it had been a decent day with both women having sold most of their goods. The two best friends were now engaged in a little gossip about the village pastor's wife, Mabel, who, if rumors were to be believed, had a colorful past. Juliet pursed her lips, as if she'd caught whiff of something foul. <clears throat> I knew it. There was something about that woman that I didn't trust. 
She shook her head. It's such a pity. Pastor Lusambo is a good man, a God-fearing man. I was sure he deserves better, mwe? Mama Betty nodded in agreement. You are right, my Juliet. Pastor Lusambo is a man of God, and a man who gives himself to the Lord in the way that he does deserves to have a good woman beside him. And to think that he had the pick of any woman in the entire district, Juliet could not mask her disappointment. Allah? Mama Betty concurred with a clap of her palms. They raised their sacks up into the air before expertly balancing them atop their heads. Mama Betty and Ma Juliet were both accustomed to village life. The calloused hands and taut biceps evidence of tough physical labor. Juliet and Betty continued their conversation as they started on a well-trodden path towards the village. Juliet continued, but Pastor Lusambo could certainly have done better than that woman. Such a woman can only bring misfortune into one's life. You mark my words. That woman will bring nothing but trouble in our poor pastor's life. She paused before placing a hand to steady the sack on top of her head and then turning to face Betty. A mischievous grin lit up her face. You know, Vanna Pasco, you would have made the perfect wife for Pastor Losambo. Ah, my Juliet, please don't say such things. Betty protested, but she could not stop herself from breaking into a smile. But it's true, Vanna Pasco, you would have been a perfect match for him. I've told you before, you know, it's not too late. You're still a young woman. Ah, my Juliet, you can't talk about a married man like that. A pastor even. Oh, Vanna Pasco, I'm not blind, eh? I've noticed the way he looks at you. And I've seen the way you behave around him. Betty was blushing. Indeed, she was aware of the pastor's fondness for her. She admired him, liked him even. But what could come of it? He was a married man. Just then, they noticed a figure in the distance running towards them. They stopped to see who it was, each woman placing a hand on the parcel on her head. As the figure drew nearer, they saw that it was Pasco, racing towards them, holding something in his hand. Mayo! 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 Pasco yelled. His chest was heaving, sweat covering his forehead. But his heart began to race. What was wrong? Why was Pasco in such a frenzy? Pasco, what is it? Tell me, what has happened? Out of breath, Pasco stooped forward and placed his hands on his knees. It took several labored breaths before he could speak. He slowly straightened himself before handing his mother a sheet of paper. I've passed. I've passed my exams. I received the highest marks in the district. Betty held the piece of paper in both hands. Her eyes raced across the text, but her mind unable to register anything. She looked back at her son. Mayo! 
I've passed my exam. Those are the results. It's the highest score in the district. Betty placed her hand over her mouth. Juliet screamed in delight. The three of them embraced and began jumping up and down with glee. Sausage, sausage, sausage muingaliako muevantu. Mama Betty was shaken out of her reverie by a man traversing the narrow aisle of the bus holding a plastic bag full of smoked sausages in one hand and a carving knife in the other. He stopped at his seat and offered her a sample. She declined. You seem lost in thought. Is something troubling you? Abel asked. Is this your first time traveling long distance on a bus? Betty nodded. Yes, it's my first time traveling to the Copper Belt. Abel angled his body towards her. Well, if it's any help, I can tell you that I've made this journey many times before, and it's not so bad. Before you realize it, we'll have reached Kapiri, and after that, it will be the Copper Belt. Betty smiled. That's good to hear. I think the hardest thing about the journey is the time you spend sitting in one place. Other than that, it's quite painless. And the driver makes frequent stops to get refreshments and for passengers to go to the toilet. Betty craned her neck to look behind the seat. The bus now appeared to be almost full. There were several women with infants in their laps. Bags were lumped overhead and some resting in the aisle. She could also hear someone in the back with the radio playing gospel music. Mama Betty shifted in her seat and placed her hands on top of her bag. We'll be off soon, Abel stated the obvious. As if on cue, the driver started the engine. The bus shuddered for a few seconds before gathering steam. Before it began to move, a wiry man in an ill-fitting suit entered the vehicle with a Bible in hand. He stood in the aisle facing the passengers at the front of the bus. Closing his eyes, he raised his hand and in a booming voice that belied his frame, he began to pray. Oh dear Lord Jehovah, Yahweh, King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who delivered David out of the lion's den, the same God who saved Noah and all the earthly creatures from the all-consuming floods, the Almighty who delivered the Jews out of Egypt and promised Abraham descendants as many as the stars in the heavens and the grains of sand on the seashore, the Lord Jesus Christ who died on a tree and on the third day rose again, breaking the shackles of death once and for all so that we might live. His hands began to tremble. Yes, you, the Father, the Almighty God and Savior, we humbly beseech you, O God. We ask you, O God, for your traveling mercies as we embark on this journey 
O God. Father, it is us, your people, O God. We pray that you provide an impenetrable shield of protection, O God, that no harm may come to us, O God. O Rabba, Rabba, Baba, Eshukuwena. In your holy name we pray, Amen. Several amens echoed in the rows of passengers. The man breathed heavily and then opened his eyes. Beads of sweat were dotted across his forehead. Then, in a show of impeccable choreography, he reached into a bag near his feet and began to hand out pamphlets, which he said passengers were free to keep, but at a price, of course. The driver shut the doors and the bus began to reverse out of the station. Betty reached into her bag and placed her hand over a small purse which contained all the money she had. It was not much, but she imagined it would be enough to see her through a few days while she searched for her son. She felt relieved to be finally on the way to Kitwe, but that feeling was quickly supplanted by a sense of foreboding about what lay ahead when she arrived there. She closed her eyes and prayed for the Lord to protect her son. Pasco was all that she had, and the prospect of losing him was more than she could bear. This story continues in the next episode. If you like this story, Please subscribe and leave us a rating or post a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me at Chipanta Mukuka on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out my website, mukukachipanta.com, for updates and information about my upcoming events. Until next time, stay tuned. <laughs>